What's up, everyone, and welcome to the How to Lead podcast, helping you develop yourself and those around you. My name's Adam Tarno. Well, as many of you know, David Morrison and I, we recently published a book called The Edge, How to Stand Out by Showing Your All In. And today we're doing something special. David and I, we're just feeling generous. We're going to give away a free chapter from the audiobook. That's right. No strings attached. Just want to share a chapter from the book so you can get an idea of the message behind the book, the tone, the style, all that kind of stuff. Of course, at the end of listening to this chapter, if you like it, head on over to Amazon. You can buy the Audible version or buy a paperback or hardback copy. But other than that, we just want you to enjoy this free gift, Chapter One on Motivation from the Edge, How to Stand Out by Showing Your All In. Chapter One, Motivation. The TED Talk that shook the world. Okay, maybe we're being a little dramatic there. It didn't shake the world, but it sure made an impact. Simon Sinek's talk, Start With Why, How Great Leaders Inspire Action, went viral and became the latest way to sound smart around other people. Sinek's talk asserted that great leaders and organizations focus on why they do what they do instead of what they do and how they do it. You might have heard one of your friends at the bar say something like, you know, I'm really in a season right now where I'm trying to determine my why. If I can unlock that, I know I'll have a successful and rewarding career. I know this sounds deep, but I really feel strongly that I need to make this connection between my career and my why. Or maybe if you didn't have that conversation, maybe you heard one of your peers in a team meeting say something like this. Honestly, I think the problem with our growth plan is that we haven't told our customers why we exist. People care about why we exist. We don't exist just to make glow-in-the-dark dog toys. There's a bigger reason for our existence, and we need to make it clear. If we do that, we can become the apple of dog toys. For years, it seemed like this TED Talk was all anyone wanted to talk about. Keynote messages, blog posts, fast company articles, leadership books, podcasts, everyone was referencing Mr. Sinek's start with why principle. Honestly, I thought this would be a phase. I thought sooner or later, everyone would get over it and laugh about our brief obsession with why. But here I am over a decade later, and that day hasn't come. Why? No pun intended. Because this principle is so helpful and so applicable to many different areas of our life. If you haven't watched the TED Talk or read Sinek's book, the message can be summarized with five bullet points. Number one, your why is your purpose, cause, or belief. Number two, every inspiring leader and organization, regardless of size or industry, starts with why. Number three, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Number four, knowing our why is essential for lasting success and to avoid being lumped in with others. Number five, when your why goes fuzzy, it becomes much more difficult to maintain the growth, loyalty, and inspiration that helped drive your original success. I know you probably already see the connection between Cynic's principle and your career, but I'll say it anyway. What's true for organizations is true for you. If you understand your why, your career will be more sustainable, more fulfilling, and more successful. However, this is where I'm going to say goodbye to Mr. Sinek in 2009. I'm not going to tell you to camp out at your local coffee shop and journal until you discover your why. I'm not going to give you a series of exercises that make finding your why easy. Why? Again, no pun intended. Because finding your why is not easy. You can't figure out your purpose, cause, or belief in just a few hours while scribbling in a journal. This is not the way real life works. In my experience, discovering your personal why is a journey. Of course, there will be exceptions to this rule, but generally speaking, I've never met anyone who figured out their why through anything other than experience. When you know your why, you tap into something powerful as it relates to your career, 
motivation. I've never met a motivated person who wasn't also energetic. If you are not motivated to do what you do, it'll be very difficult to consistently bring the energy of a positive attitude. If you want to stand out by showing you're all in, you need to first and foremost know and understand what motivates you. In other words, your why. Most people choose a career based on their interests and motivation. For example, I chose to study accounting in college. Did I do this because my dad and grandfather were both accountants? This is true, they were, but that's not why. Did I do this because I was born on April 16th, the day after tax day? Again, this is true, but not why. Did I do this because I wanted to endure a life of jokes about pocket protectors and assumptions that I'm socially awkward? No, but sadly, that is also true. I chose that career path because for some reason it was my favorite class in high school, and I was motivated to learn more about the subject. I followed my motivation, which provided me with energy and kept me focused. Motivation is essential to a fulfilling career. This is both good news and bad news. The good news, it's possible for everyone to have a satisfying career. The bad news, you have to figure out what motivates you. And again, in my experience, I haven't met many emerging leaders who are able to clearly articulate what motivates them. This lack of clarity causes all kinds of issues. The primary issue is you end up choosing a career path for unsustainable reasons. Money, title, cool office space, a short commute. These may seem like great reasons to take a job or choose a career. However, the luster will eventually fade. There are great factors that will lead to more sustainable motivation. To that end, here are three ideas that David and I think will help you on your motivation journey. Three ideas that might help you begin to discover your why. Idea number one, study the puzzle pieces. We like to think finding your motivation is like putting together a jigsaw puzzle, but with a twist. Unlike a normal jigsaw puzzle where every piece in the box fits together, the motivation puzzle is one that comes with 100 pieces, but only a few pieces need to combine to complete the puzzle. The other pieces look like they might fit, but they don't. That's the twist. Figuring out your why, what motivates you, is the strangest puzzle you'll ever solve. The hard work isn't so much finding your few pieces. The hard work is eliminating all the pieces that don't fit. Most people don't get through the sorting process. They give up and just float through life and hop around from one unfulfilling job to another. As you attempt to put together your puzzle of motivation, consider some of the most common pieces, many of which are likely to fit you. A copy of this table can be found at myedgebook.com. Piece number one, autonomy. You feel like you have some influence over the how and what of accomplishing a task or a goal. Number two, mastery. You feel like you're growing and developing in skillfulness. Number three, impact. You know your job is making someone's life better. Number four, connection. You feel known and appreciated by your boss and peers. Piece number five, purpose. You feel like your job is making the world a better place. And number six, results. You know how to define a win for your job and you feel like you're winning consistently. Okay, so what are you supposed to do with all of those words? As a simple guide, ask yourself these questions. Which puzzle pieces best describe me? Which puzzle pieces feel like they're missing from my career? Which puzzle pieces demotivate me? Which puzzle pieces would my current team leader say motivate me the most? And what do I believe are my top two motivators? Now, these are not easy questions to answer, but taking some time to think through the motivators listed above is helpful as you ponder your why. The list above can be helpful, especially if you're struggling to find motivation with your current job. Now, everyone goes through what our friend Chris Shelton calls a work valley from time to time. But if the valley persists for more than a few months, it might point to a lack of motivation. Now, this doesn't mean that all is lost. It might simply mean you need to have a conversation with your team leader or request a few tweaks to your job description. 
It's much easier to make changes to your current job than it is to find a new one. Remember, the difficult part isn't finding the few pieces of your motivation puzzle. The difficult part is eliminating the other pieces. The more clarity you have on what motivates you, the easier it will be to find and select jobs that keep you engaged. Idea number two, don't chase money, chase match quality. Now, we know what you might be thinking after idea number one, money. Money is what motivates me. If I got paid more money, then I'd be more engaged. If I made more money, I'd have no trouble showing I'm all in. I know money doesn't buy happiness, but money can buy a Vespa, and I've never seen an unhappy person on a Vespa. If that's what you're thinking, we get it, but we'd like to offer a counter-argument. Many experts say that money is not a great motivator. Why? Because motivation is less about your asset list and more about your to-do list. In the end, you're always going to struggle with motivation if you do not like the actual work you're paid to do. If your task list doesn't match your strengths, passions, interests, gifts, and skills, you will struggle when it comes to motivation. Those who climb the new corporate ladder the fastest are those who have chosen careers with a high degree of match quality. I was introduced to the term match quality in David Epstein's book, Range. Match quality refers to the fit between what you do and who you are. When it comes to your career, if you are consistently asking yourself how much money you can make in your profession, you will almost always find yourself struggling to show you're all in. The better question to ask is, does this job match my skills and interests? This question more often leads you to a motivating career. The more motivated you are, the more energy you have. The more energy you have, the more you stand out by showing you're all in. Don't obsess about the money. Obsess about the match quality. Although finding a career that matches your skills and interests can be done at any stage, you'll waste a lot less time if you sort this out in your 20s. Your 20s are the life stage that David and I like to call the decade of getting your teeth kicked in. Now, we know that sounds harsh, but it's an important step in career maturity. It's during your 20s that you realize your parents, teachers, and coaches, they kind of lied to you. You can't be anything you want to be. It's during your 20s that you realize you need to be what you were created to be. You were born with a certain set of gifts, interests, and personality traits. These gifts, interests, and traits need to match your career path. If they don't, you'll have poor match quality. It doesn't matter how many Vespas you own. If there's poor match quality, you will always struggle with motivation. Always. Your 20s are all about searching for match quality. Don't worry about what you studied in college. The cruelest part of college is how they made you pick a major when you're 19 years old. Really? One thing is true about all 19-year-olds. They are at the peak of confidence, but the valley of wisdom. 19 is not the best time to make a serious decision like, what should I do with the rest of my life? Your 20s are the new college years. Your 20s are a time to explore and run some match quality experiments. If you have a good idea of what type of career matches your gifts, interests, and traits by the end of your 20s, then you are doing well. Your 30s will then become a decade of skill and experience accumulation. It's during your 30s when you realize that although you can't be whatever you want to be, there are a few things you'll be great at doing. Your 30s can be an exciting time and a decade that gets you ready for your 40s and 50s. And for most professionals, it's their 40s and 50s when they kick ass and take names. Of course, there are exceptions. For some people, it happens sooner. Hello, LeBron. For some, it happens later. Hello, me and David. Now, if you're listening to this and about to turn this off because you're in your 40s or 50s, we want to remind you of a Chinese proverb. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. The point, 
It's never too late to act. Regardless of what life stage you're in, the bottom line is this. Do not chase money. Chase strong match quality. The money will always work itself out. Remember, it's about your to-do list, not a growing asset list. Idea number three, what's happening today is getting you ready for tomorrow. If you genuinely desire to solve your puzzle of motivation and look for high match quality, then not only are you well on your way to finding a motivating career, but as a bonus, the risk of wasting your life is low. Now, how's that for a sweet little add-on? Here's why we say that. If you are intentionally looking for how you will best serve the world with your skills and interests, that means every step of this journey is shaping who you are and who you are becoming. There are plenty of ways to waste your life, and we're going to talk about one of those here in a moment. However, we have found that those who earnestly seek to clarify their motivation and find a career with a high match quality do not waste their life. Every step has purpose. If you go through a season in a bad job with a bad boss or you get fired for underperforming, those aren't failures. They're learning experiences that have helped you eliminate a few puzzle pieces. If you intend to learn and look for the best match quality possible, then wasting time is almost impossible. Why? Because everything you experience is helping to form who you are becoming. Sometimes the best thing you can experience is something not going well. The belief used to be that you needed to pick a career and never deviate from it. But many are realizing that trying on different jobs and careers isn't always a sign of a character defect. And that's despite what the typical baby boomer will tell you. If you know a job or a career is not a fit for you, the faster you move on from that, the better. The older David and I get, the more we realize that life is like a Seinfeld episode. The genius of Seinfeld was that the writers could take what seemed like multiple completely different plot lines and perfectly bring them together at the end of each episode. The most classic example must be episode 14 of season five titled The Marine Biologist. As this episode progresses, two seemingly random plot lines transpire. One, Kramer decides to hit 600 Titleist golf balls into the ocean. And two, George is on a date with a woman who believes he's a marine biologist. Why does she believe that? Because Jerry lied to her. At the end of the episode, George tells Jerry and Kramer a story about something that happened while he and this woman took a romantic walk on the beach. There was a beached whale in distress. George's date, believing him to be a marine biologist, looked at him, expecting him to do something. George, not wanting to reveal the lie, approached the whale. In a brilliant monologue, George describes realizing that something was obstructing the whale's breathing, and after being tossed by a tidal wave, seeing something in the blowhole, reaching in and pulling out a titleist. What made that story so brilliant was no one saw it coming. No one could see how Kramer hitting golf balls into the ocean and Jerry lying to a woman about George being a marine biologist were going to come together. But when they did, it was pure gold. This is how most careers end up. What seems random and disconnected suddenly connects and makes something that works. The dots never connect looking forward. They only connect when looking back. Now, if none of these ideas have changed the way you feel about your current situation, that's okay. You have at least three options. Option number one, be patient. Do some puzzle solving and see how you feel in three months. As we said, everyone goes through a work valley. At the risk of sounding like one or both of your parents, we have to remind you that there's a reason work isn't called a recess. Sometimes it's hard, unfun, demanding, and even soul-crushing. We've all been there, and sometimes the best thing to do is just wait it out. 
Option number two, ask about changes to your current job description. Consider sharing your insights from this chapter with your team leader and asking, not demanding, to change your job responsibilities. Come in with a plan, a list of responsibilities you're successfully managing, others you'd like to take on, and the tasks you'd like to eliminate. The worst your boss can say is no, and you shouldn't assume that'll be the case. You'd be amazed at what people will agree to do when asked. Don't be afraid. Make the request. Option number three, quit. If you know you're not a good fit for your current role, and you know it's not just a work valley, and your team leader is unwilling to make changes to your current job responsibilities, then it might just be time to move on. It's rarely an easy decision, but neither is staying in a job that you're certain will never be a fit. What do all three of these options have in common? They all require action. Doing nothing and hoping that things will get better is not an option. In fact, passively waiting for things to get better is a fast track to wasting your life. The lessons you learn from bad bosses, bad jobs, and even failure are all part of the puzzle-solving journey. If you don't act upon what you're learning, that's a waste. Okay, so we've established that motivation is a strange puzzle, and the best way to solve that puzzle is to work at it. Try different tasks, explore different opportunities, and take good notes. No one is going to put their hand on your shoulder and say, I know what you must be when you grow up. That kind of stuff literally only happens in movies and books. The rest of us must work hard to find our why. The early part of our career is a great time to run some motivation experiments. Motivation experiments do two things. One, they help you find the puzzle pieces that fit your motivation puzzle. And number two, they help you determine which pieces do not fit your motivation puzzle. I'll say it again. Oftentimes, it's more challenging to determine what pieces don't fit rather than the pieces that do fit. When it comes to running motivation experiments, draw inspiration from Thomas Edison, the famous American inventor. By the time he died in 1931, Thomas Edison had amassed close to 1,100 patents. He held patents for electric light and power, the phonograph, batteries, and the telephone. Thomas was motivated to invent, and he was clearly productive. What we often don't remember about Thomas's story is how often he failed. He didn't only work on 1,100 inventions. He worked on many more. We don't know about those other inventions because they failed. Along the way, Thomas developed a perspective on failure that motivated him to keep experimenting, as is evidenced by his famous quote, I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that won't work. As you run your motivation experiments, don't worry if they fail. We'll talk about failure more in chapter 10. But for now, know this. Every failure gets you closer to solving your puzzle. There's no one universal map to success. Success is always idiosyncratic. It's always individual. But once you begin to figure out what keeps you motivated, special things can happen. That's when you'll do your best work, produce the best results, and find yourself climbing the new corporate ladder at a fast rate. That's the power of finding your why. I'm sure you've already figured this out, but team leaders aren't huge fans of delivering pep talks every day. One of the most important jobs you have early in your career is finding your inner motivation. When you know why you do what you do, you will have a natural energy each day. When you know your why, showing you're all in will rarely be an issue. Well, that's all we got for today's episode of the How to Lead podcast. You can always reach out to us via email. We can be reached at info at howtolead.work. That's info at howtolead.work. Every episode is mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.